0: Hello, my friends, and welcome to Worship for August 23rd of 2020. I am Reverend Nick Phillips, a pastor here at Carmen United Church in Sydney Mines, and I'm so glad that you have chosen to join us for worship this day. Let us pray. Almighty God, we gather in your presence today as we come to know your presence among us. As we worship you this day, may your Holy Spirit bring us together from our various locations, reminding us that we are your children, your family, In Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. In our scripture reading today, we take a look at Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 to 20. This passage comes not long after Jesus healed many people on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. And then he proceeded to feed another 4,000 people on top of the 5,000 people he fed before. He feeds 4,000 people uh, plus women and children, 4,000 men plus women and children. He is then asked by the Pharisees to do a miracle so that they could judge him. But Jesus refused. After all, he's done quite a bit already. And he went on. And then we pick up the story here in verse 16. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah. And others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. us join together in prayer. Let us pray. Lord, as we gather in your presence this day, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, you who are our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. I remember a a long time ago when I was living in the valley, walking into McDonald's that I had once worked at, and seeing a friend through the window. So I went I waved, and, and they waved back. And then when I went into the door and saw the person up close, I realized it was not who I thought it was. I had no idea who this person was. So I apologized and kept walking to the counter to make my order. In return, the man said, That's okay, I thought you were someone too. I thought you were someone too. I I don't think he meant that as an insult. Just some words that came out of the mouth. Maybe I'm just reading too much into it. Who knows? But those can be embarrassing moments, can't they? Moments of mistaken identity, whether they're ours or mistaking somebody else. There's another time I was in a grocery store, and I was going down the same busy aisle as a young family. Imagine the 4 year old surprise when he hugged up next to my leg looking for safety thinking I was his mother. It's a bit of a little funny moment. Now, we've all had moments of mistaken identity whether we thought someone was someone else or someone thought we were someone else. Sometimes, <clears throat> sometimes those moments make for some pretty good stories, and they just kind of make us chuckle. As I mentioned in the, the introduction to our reading for today, the gospel reading, Jesus has been doing some pretty amazing things around the the Sea of Galilee and the surrounding area. All of it that's leading up to our reading from this morning. And so after all of this work that he's done, Jesus kind of wants to check the polling data. So he asks, who do people say that I am? So the disciples kind of pull out their phones and and start checking the, the data. And it says, we're getting reports that uh, they say you're John the Baptist or Elijah or Jeremiah or, or one of the other prophets. And so Jesus kind of thinks for a moment. And then he asks, well, how about you? Who do you think that I am? And so Peter, he, he jumps right in with the right answer. He always seems to have the right answer. He says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus congratulates him. Peter, you're correct. Good job. And offers even more. Jesus, Jesus tells Peter how he has come to know this fact that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He says, Peter, you, you didn't learn this from anyone else. You didn't learn it from reading books or or from a meme you saw on Facebook, Peter. Peter, you learned that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of Christ, the Christ, the Son of the living God because it was God himself. It was God himself who revealed this information to you. This is an interesting concept to consider. Later on in this very gospel Jesus tells the disciples that they're going to go out and be evangelists. They're going to go out and teach people about Jesus. They're going to baptize and and just build the church. They're going to teach everything they know about Jesus to all the people. But right here in this reading, Jesus tells us that the revelation comes from God and not from people. So, which is it? Is it from God or is it from people? Here's what I know from my experience. We have a role to play. We have a part in this. I fully believe that God, through, the Holy, through Jesus and the Holy Spirit, is the one who chooses to reveal himself. And he does so willingly. The problem is, not everyone is listening to God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. So they're not ready to receive. How can they receive? How can they receive something if they never know that it exists, that it's there, that it's, it's available? So as Christians, our part is to help prepare people to receive the gift. It makes me think of, of the parable of the sower in Matthew chapter 13. Jesus tells the story of a man who went out to sow seeds and he's casting them all over the place. Some took to the ground, some fell on the path and and the the birds came and cleaned them up. Others fell on rocky ground where there wasn't much soil so they started to grow but then they withered and died. Other seeds fell among uh, thorny weeds and they were choked out, not able to grow. And finally, some of the seeds fell on healthy soil. And those seeds, they grew and they flourished. Now, for us, it's not necessarily up to us where the seeds are going to fall. It's up to us to scatter the seeds, to spread the good news of Jesus. Most of the time, we can't tell where they're going to land. But we trust in the one who makes them grow. Some people we share with, they're not going to hear what we have to say. Some are going to listen and, and, and then turn away. But some, some are going to hear and receive and grow and flourish. Now only God is, is the one, only, only God is the one who knows who's going to receive and who's not going to receive. You know how you can cast some seeds and, and they come later on than others? Sometimes we we scatter the seeds and we never know where or when they might sprout. Maybe the seeds end up hibernating for a season. Maybe the conditions aren't quite right for that seed to grow. There's not enough sun, there's not enough water, there's not enough something. But eventually they get what they need and and they grow. I kind of think I'm an example of one of those kinds of seeds. One of the seeds that take their time. My church experience growing up was pretty limited, but I had some. I knew a few of the stories that I picked up in a Sunday school. When we moved to Ottawa, and I slowly relented to Bev's invitations to go to church with her, those seeds planted long ago, when I was young, they finally had a place where they felt nurtured, they felt fed, they felt cared for. And then they started to take along with the new seeds that are being planted by that church. Back to a reading from Matthew 16. What does Jesus say he will do? That he will do with Peter after making such a claim? That, you know, that Jesus is the son of God? Jesus says, and I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Now, if you don't know, the the meaning of the name Peter is rock. So Jesus is clearly playing with, with the rock imagery here when he says that he'll build his church on the rock. Now, I think there's two ways that we can look at this particular piece of scripture. We can look at it that Peter is the rock. And yes, Peter will be a great leader in the church early on, which of course he he is. He, He is a great leader in the early church. But the other way to look at it is that the rock, the rock that Jesus is building on is the knowledge, the understanding, that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. This fact is the foundation upon which the church is built. Yes, Peter did some great work in getting it all started. But we don't worship Peter. We worship Jesus, the Christ, the son of the living God. Turning to the Apostle Paul, he says in his letter to the Romans, starting at the beginning of chapter 12, he says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect, Peter, uh, Paul says. In our Wednesday night Bible study, the other night we talked about obedience, just coincidentally. What does it mean to obey God? And what are the benefits of obedience? Of obeying God. Paul more or less lays it out for us right here. He says to be obedient to God is to present our body, our whole self, as a living sacrifice to God. Does this mean we're, we're going to commit some sort of spiritual suicide? No, not at all. What it means is we offer God everything we have in His service, and we do it. As an act of worship. Obedience to God, submitting to His authority in our lives, is the highest form of worship, the highest form of worship we can offer. Now remember, for many, many generations leading up to the time of Jesus, the Israelites sought to, uh, to appease God, to, to be in his favor by making sacrificial offerings of livestock or some sort of other manner of animal or bird. This was part of their worship, to bring animal sacrifices before God. But Paul says we need to offer more. If you want to be serious about serving God, then offer your whole self as a living sacrifice. In other words, let God be the Lord of your life above all other authorities. Let God transform your mind and thus your whole life so we may live out the will of God, which Paul reminds us is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, I think it's safe to say we love God. There's, and there's not a huge problem with this notion of loving God. We love God. We, we try to be good people. We know God loves us. This is all well and good. And all of this means that we are part of God's family and we will receive the eternal, the eternal reward that we are hoping for. Being a living sacrifice is not necessarily about receiving our eternal reward, though. Being a living sacrifice is more about what happens while we're here on this earth. We, we can live as good people who love God, but is there much public witness in this kind of living? Is it inspiring people to come and experience God for themselves? Now, I would argue that it is not. But to be a living sacrifice to live under the authority of God means that we are being transformed. And we're being transformed into God's children. And it means we're, being, uh, we're becoming more Christ-like in our lives, which Paul tells us is good and acceptable and perfect. This is the kind of living that launches new outreach programs in a community. This is the kind of living being a living sacrifice, this is the kind of living where people look at you and think, I want some of what she's got. This is the kind of living where God's love spreads like coronavirus through our communities. That is the kind of life that brings hope and healing to people, people who are in desperate need of it. It shows others that God is indeed active in this world and opens them up to receiving what God has to offer. So we plant the seeds, and God takes care of the rest. So how do we become a living sacrifice for God? Well, it means we submit to his authority as Lord of our lives, the king of all creation. This means we read our Bibles Regularly, every day, if at all possible. It means we pray. But it doesn't mean that we're just praying and listing off a list of things we hope will happen before we go to bed. But rather, it means to spend significant time with God in conversation. Yes. Yes, it means we can list our our cares and our desires but it also means we take the time to stop. We take the time to listen by asking God, what does he want to happen? What does he want to see happen in our lives, in our churches, in our communities? And it also means that we wait for an answer. It means we are expecting an answer. Jesus has already told us in our reading that God reveals things to those who are ready to receive. God wants us to have all that he has for us. God wants us to know him. God wants us to hear from him. So often we're just not willing to open our hearts and receive. Are you ready? Are you ready to receive what God has to offer you? What what holds you back? We all have our moments where we hold back. Let's be honest. So what are the reasons? Is it because we feel unworthy? Well, look at Jesus. He came for the broken and the sinful people of the world. He died for people like us and worse. There was a man on the cross next to Jesus, paying for his crimes with his life. And Jesus told that man that he would see him in paradise that day. So, Why not us as well? Is another reason because we're afraid of what we might have to give up? God's promise, and we looked at this a few weeks ago, God's promise is that we will experience His complete joy in our lives if we open ourselves to His grace and His love. Is there anything in our lives worth holding on to greater then God's complete joy is another reason why we hold back because you don't know God? You don't know Him personally? Well, ask Him. Ask Him today to reveal Himself to you, to make Himself known in your life. He will do it. He will begin right now if you want Him to. Peter was the first rock of the church. But like any other person in the world, his days on this planet were limited. He had a certain number of years. The church is the rock Jesus builds upon. The knowledge that he is the son of the living God is the rock upon which he continues to build the church. What does Jesus say about the church that has this knowledge as its foundation? He says, The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. There is nothing that can stop the church that lives for Jesus with Him as the strong and solid foundation. The same can be said about the lives that live with Jesus as its foundation, as their foundation. Sure, yes, there are challenges that are thrown our way on a regular basis. But knowing that God is in our corner, that he is our back, that he is loving us and guiding us makes this journey all the greater, makes it easier, knowing he comforts us and walks with us. So may our church, may our lives, may our community find its foundation on the rock of our faith, Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, as we seek to live lives of sacrificial worship of our great and wonderful God. Amen. I invite you now, would you just take a few moments with me in prayer? Let us pray. Lord, We thank you for your presence that is always with us. We thank you that when we reach out to you, you are there. We thank you for the rock of our faith, Jesus the Christ. We thank you for family. We we thank you for friends. We thank you for the beautiful summer we've had. We thank you for so many things. Lord, we pray today for the desire to fully experience you in our lives, to be willing to be a sacrificial uh, offering, a sacrificial life for your kingdom here on this earth, to follow and obey that which would have, you would have us do to bring healing and hope to our homes, to our communities. Lord, you alone know how to do this. So may we be your agents of hope to those who are in need. We so and so we pray for those who are in need today, those who are in need of your hope, those who are in need of your comfort. We pray, O God, for the healing of the sick. We pray for the comfort of those who are experiencing loss. We pray for hope for the hopeless. Lord, we pray. For for all people, we, we all know someone who is in need in some way, so we lift them up to you today so they may receive your care, however you may wish to deliver it. Lord, we're also kind of entering into a full election season here in Nova Scotia. So we pray for all those who have put their names forward to be mayors and counselors of our towns and communities across this province. Lord, we pray that you will guide their campaigns safely and that you will guide their hearts as they seek to express their hopes and plans for their community. Lord, we, we, we also pray for the election in the United States. Lord, may you bring, bring, bring peace and healing and unity to that divided nation, no matter what the outcome is in November. Lord, for all these things, And for so many more, we lift up these prayers to you in the name of Jesus the Christ, your living Son. We pray these things in his name. And we also pray in the way that he taught us as we say together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. A ministry of Carmen United Church in Sydney Mines. To learn more about our ministry, please visit our website www.carmenunited.ca. May God bless you this day.